Welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Tony Flynn. And I'm Kevin Decker. And welcome to, well, we're well into Season 10 now. And today is Episode 7 of Season 10. This time, we have a good excuse. And you're thinking, an excuse for what? Because you two have so much to apologize yeah, for. And I think, Kevin, we should make it clear, we're not apologizing no, for everything. No. For, we're no. actually not apologizing for anything. The excuse is, uh, is an exculpation, as it were, why it is not our fault. So this is a justification for something you think we did wrong but we didn't right. because this time we have an excuse. And my excuse, for example, is I was downtown paying my parking tickets. So, <laughs> And my excuse was I was asleep at the wheel. <laughs> I hope that's a good enough they're, excuse. They're, they're related. Yeah, we uh, have two so. excuses when we only promised one. <laughs> so right. it's a bonus for the listener. And listener, don't forget that with a little bit of tweaking and tailoring of your own, you too can use these excuses. They're free from us. Uh, at a modest charge. At a modest charge. Yearly licensing fee. And fee handling fees for <laughs> the use of those two generic excuses. But we have an action-packed show with a lot of things going on. Kevin, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so uh, first of all, uh, our favorite favorite fair and balanced team, Pox and Phlegm, is going to interview the rather well-known teen dating Florida, <laughs> Florida Congressman Matt Gates. And some people um, say he's drunk, but maybe he's just on cocaine. Maybe he's just coked up. We'll find out today when we listen to Pox and Phlegm. Next, we have a commercial from one of our favorite prison work release inmates, Big Nell. Mm-hmm. Big Nell has a ballet academy when you're not getting along with people at work, when you're being bullied. She takes you all the way from confrontations with an abusive white bro boss all the way to prison. And there's some wonderful Tchaikovsky music in the background here. And by wonderful, I mean really kind of overrated. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> overwrought. Tchaikovsky just thought he'd add extra liquid layers of strings. It's right. really overbearing. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to object to. Uh, speaking of which, there's a lot to object to in the next uh, sketch, which is a visit to Melania's Moose and Fuss. We all have been wondering what the FLOTUS, or First Lady of the United States, the former First the Lady f- of the United States. The FLOTUS now. Yes. Yeah. Has been up to. And uh, one of our wonderful players, Jody Stewart-Strobel, who really has mastered the Melania kind of airy, not-with-it-ness, I Not think. with it and yeah. spiteful. And spiteful, yeah. And yeah. And so she gives us that. And next, we have another entry in the Man Called Bambi saga. We go back to 1948 in Manhattan. We have the trench-coated, name-tagged Bambi. We have a woman who's a bartender-slash-novelist named Michael, who's trying to shepherd him through problems with the mafia. And this episode takes place on a train that appears to be chasing them. Yeah. But getting on the train doesn't bring safety. It brings danger. Good evening, fellow Americans, and welcome to Pox News's Pox and Phlegm. I'm your anchor, Jeff White, here with special White House correspondent Bobby Van Illa and our blonde, Blanche Whitney. And later in our show today, we'll be talking to a very, very special guest, a hero of the MAGA movement, Florida Congressman Matt Gates. But before we talk to Matt, 
Let's turn it over to Bobby here for his report on the doings, the shenanigans, I mean, at the White House. Thanks, Jeff. And thank you, Blanche, for looking so, so hot in that snug, red, nearly strapless afternoon party dress today. Wowza! I can't believe they let you wear that on the air. They make me wear this on the air, Bobby, as you well know. And keep in mind, I have my same old reliable lady taser, the Dragon Girl 3000, at the ready if you keep up with those remarks. But consider what that dress does to me. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby, you little goof. Now that you've had your little bit of boy fun, why not catch us up on what that provisional occupant of the White House, Joe Biden, has been up to? Bobby? Bobby, that's enough now. Come on, Bobby. Man up. The Dragon Girl 3000 was set only at 50%. I was only flirting in hopes of getting in some unwanted touching later. (laughs) Bobby, snap out of it. The White House? Okay. Okay. Joe Biden continues to destroy our great country with radical socialist gestures like pushing for a living wage and voting fraud, raising taxes on the hardworking uber wealthy and making man marines wear skirts. Each of those is an outrage in its own way. I don't know where to begin. Let's start with the idea of relaxing the new voting restrictions. That's the sort of thing that will destroy white democracy. And this living wage business is terrifying. If everyone can afford to live on their wages, what's going to happen to all the poor people? Are we just supposed to forget about them? And what about small business interests like the payday loan industry? Can we really depend on the Democrats to bail it out when it tanks? And making man Marines wear skirts? I'm incredulous. What if one of our warriors skins his knees or or gets a paper cut on his calf? I had one of those once. Ouch. The nightmares persist. Is it time for me yet? Me, Matt Gates, congressman representing, um, I forget which district in Florida. Congressman Gates, a MAGA hero. I thought you'd want to be properly introduced rather than simply barging onto the set like this. Want to see these pictures of hot girls? I slept with every one of these girls. I mean, I didn't sleep sleep with these little babarinos. I mean, babarinas. <laughs> Unless I just downloaded their pictures from the web. I forget which. They are hot, though, aren't they? Hot, hot, hot. I tell them I'm a congressman, and they're like all over me, man. Congressman Gates, how well do you think MAGA politics is served by your... MAGA? You know, that stands for Matt Gates. Ma for Matt. Ga for Gates. I am Matt Gates. I am MAGA. Are you just a little drunk, congressman? Maybe. Maybe I'm just coked up. Just because of all the drunk driving stops, everyone thinks it's alcohol. It's so unfair. Why not cocaine? Anyway, you'll never know. I've refused breathalyzer tests before, and I'm going to do it again. Right now. 
Congressman Gates, there's controversy with your campaign expenditures, too. Is it true that you tried to get your campaign to pay for your cocaine habit? Campaign, cocaine, hear that rhyme? So what's the problem? You know, Blanche, if you weren't too old for me, I'd fly you across state lines for all kinds of, well, you know. Too old? I'm five years younger than you, Congressman Gates. I, I don't know whether to be offended or disgusted. Blanche, Blanche, Blanche. It's not your fault you don't have the dewy, soft skin of a child. You're womanly. That's not a bad thing. It's just not my thing. Am I right or am I right? Uh, Congressman, I hate to bring up a touchy subject because we here at Pox and Flam love the work that you're doing in Congress. Mm, I've, I've decided I'm too disgusted to be offended, Congressman. Jeff, could you ask Blanche not to interrupt me? Blanche? Sorry, Jeff. I just think it's important to all Americans for me to distinguish between what is disgusting and what is merely offensive. Point taken, Blanche. Now, Congressman Gates, back to that touchy subject. Your drinking and coke-sniffing buddy, Joel Greenberg, has been flipped by the feds and is cooperating fully with the investigation into his underage sex trafficking. Sorry to interrupt, Bobby, but it's not underage sex trafficking. It's transporting underage teenage girls across state lines for all kinds of reasons, not just for sex. If Blanche can make fussy distinctions, so can I. A point taken, Congressman. But as I was about to say, this Joel Greenberg is to you as Michael Cohen is to Donald Trump, right? Are you worried that he'll drag you down with him? Whoa! Did I hear you right? Did you just compare me to the man himself, President Trump? Well, I mean, in a way, I suppose I did, but... You are one keen political commentator, Bobby Vanilla. I'm wearing that comparison proudly, and I think I've earned it. Just like the president's, my campaign emails secure continuous donation, unless donors opt out, which they never figure out they need to until months have passed. Nice, huh? Anyway, I've got to run. Another day, another legal witch hunt I have to deal with. Oh, and Blanche, I wish I'd known you 10 or 15 years ago. I'm 27, you sicko. Do the arithmetic. Oh, we're still on the air, aren't we? Uh, yes. Blanche, I don't understand. You tase me just for leering at you and getting all sexually suggestive. But Congressman Gates preys on minors, and you just get huffy with him. What gives? Does this mean you're loosening up that I can stand too close to you in the hallways again? Well, he wasn't hitting on me, was he? And no, you can't. Well, that's all the time we have now for Pox and Phlegm. Tune in again next time when we'll ask Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene whether she agrees that we need some kind of Myanmar-style coup in this country. Coming up next, a list of things that aren't coming up next on Men in Charge. Listener, how many times has this happened to you? 
You're in your law firm's locker room, and one of the partners notices you have ballet tights and slippers in your gym bag. Yo, fellow white guy lawyer bros, look at what Jimmy the new associate has in his gym bag. Tights and ballet slippers. And what happens next? In the space of two minutes, you're tied at your ankles by your tights and dangling from a light fixture. Way to be late for a deposition, am I right? <laughs> Clearly, you're attending the wrong ballet academy. I'm Big Nell, entrepreneur, felon, and professional enforcer, here to welcome you to Big Nell's Full Contact Ballet Academy. After just three weeks at Big Nell's Full Contact Ballet Academy, your days of facing down, upside down, the bros roaming the corporate halls will be gone at the merest whisper of your Big Nell ballet slippers. Listen to this exchange between a graduate of Big Nell's Full Contact Ballet Academy and the trust-funded white guy bro who supervises him. Hey there, little Leroy. As the new kid here at Neo-Colonial Conglomerate Enterprises, it's your job to fetch me my morning brandy. But first, take off my shoes and rub my feet. Check out my feet instead, trust baby. Plie kick to the solar plexus. Oof. Followed by a glissade into the ankle. Ow! Topped off by an élancé and sauté on the chest. <laughs> of course, if your abusive white guy bro trust baby boss is seriously injured or even just embarrassed and he sues you, then call Big Nell's Vengeful Enforcement Services to bring the hammer down on any tiresome litigation you might be facing. Hey, hey, who are you guys? Get, get away from my car! Oh, Jesus! Of course, if your abusive white guy bro trust baby boss happens to track your credit card receipts, which lead him back to your having called on my anti-litigation vengeful enforcement services and... Keep your hands where I can see them you somehow get yourself arrested, call Big Nell's Big House Protection Services to keep you safe inside the dining hall and within 10 feet of your cell. Hey, ow, but I bought protection! As I say, within 10 feet of your cell. So call me, Big Nell, at Big Nell's Full Contact Ballet Academy today. Greetings, listener. Have you ever wondered what happened to Washington's orangest power couple? 
Oh, sure. We know that the Donald has been cooking up one spurious claim after another in an effort to seem relevant. But instead of wallowing in that criminal mud pit, let's talk about Melania and all the spare time she has now. I know, you're asking yourself, what's next after Be Best? What is Melania thinking about now that she's no longer wearing the I don't care jacket? After she's trashed the White House Rose Garden, don't you wonder what else there is? For those of you cursed with inquiring minds, Men in Charge is about to have the answer. I'm Chichi LaRue, Lower Heights radio reporter, and I have traveled to Mar-a-Lago incognito to bring you, our listener, an in-depth report on Melania. What kind of lady is she now that she's no longer first? Okay, so here I am. It's the Melania wing of the building, and there's a sign over the door. Melania's Moose and Fuss. Moose and Fuss? Whatever. What? A, a customer? There is no appointment on my books. Customer? Appointment? But I've come all the way from Lower Heights just to see you. And just talk. You know, an interview? But an appointment for what exactly? Pfft! Stupid girl. I see what you need even if you don't. Seat! Wait! I like my hair. Don't touch my hair. Is this some kind of a salon? I make you as blonde as Ivanka. You will be Republican blonde. No! No! I'm a brunette, like you. Even I have blonde highlights. The total blonde. Donald takes care of that. It's in the prenup. But for you, my little Democrat, it is the blonde like Ivanka. Like Kellyanne. Like Marjorie Taylor. Ah! Not Marjorie Taylor. We change the way you think through the follicles. Anybody but Marjorie Taylor. Sit or I tighten the ropes even more. See? Now what do you think? Very blonde. Now you think Matt Gates is a hottie. I feel, I feel different. I feel so self-justified. So entitled. I feel, I can't stop. I can't stop the way I feel. Democrats don't seem real. I love Trump all of the time. I don't care about his crimes. That Dar Jobs set me free. No more ethics killing me. She drove me crazy. Ooh, ooh, with long blonde hair. Ooh, ooh, she drove me crazy. Now I'm Republican. Ooh, ooh, she drove me crazy. Ooh, ooh, with long blonde hair. Ooh, ooh, 
drove me crazy. Now I'm Republican. Men in charge? If you're asking that question rather than doing science, then you've already been left behind. Stop asking questions. Go do science. And now it's time once again for A Man Called Bambi. This man, who is wandering through Manhattan one October evening in 1948 in an ill-fitting trench coat with the name tag Bambi stitched over the pocket, is running from something or to something. The narrative remains obscure on these points, and we're already at part four. What we do know so far is that his frisky new companion, Michael, the bartender slash novelist, has the secret novelistic power of dividing people into themselves and a voiceover version. Strange, yes? Well, you'll see how this contrivance continues to work, or not, during this evening's adventure. And, as you'll remember from last time, two mafia goons, Aiden and Largo, who had failed in their attempt to capture and interrogate Mr. Bambi, sought the guidance of the brutish mother of their employer, Mr. Giuliani, Mrs. Giuliani. And further also, Mr. Bambi and Michael, the bartender slash novelist, have tried to return to the bar where this adventure began to recover his wallet and her purse from their voiceover narrating counterparts, but instead had to flee a slow-moving train that seems to be pursuing them. That's not much of a pursuit after all. It's a pretty slow-moving train. We can just hop on board. But we don't have tickets, or exact change, or any money at all. But, Mr. Bambi... No, I think after all we've been through, you can call me Amber. Okay, Amber. Uh, Actually, I liked it even better when you called me Lance. Would you just be quiet for a minute? I'm trying to make a logical connection in our bizarre circumstances. Sorry. What I was trying to say was, since that train is chasing us, however slowly... Maybe we're supposed to get on. And what's the worst the conductor can do? Kick us off and then have the train chase us? Again, slowly. Some more? Are you Michael the bartender slash novelist and the man called Bambi? Who wants to know? What does my conductor's uniform suggest? I'm the conductor. That's who wants to know, you dolt. Don't you want to ask for our tickets? Uh, Michael, should we really be bothering this busy conductor with our tickets right now? Tickets? Does this train look like a lottery to you? Just find a seat and stop pestering me because I am very busy. Thanks for noticing. You think it's easy to run this train and keep laying out tracks as we go? That explains why the train is so slow. Finally, something makes sense. You lay out the track as we go? Are you some kind of wizard? Again, what does my conductor's uniform suggest? And you, bartender slash novelist, I'm so sorry, the train is so slow. You think you could do it better? No. Sorry. By the way, why was this train chasing us? (sighs) Look, look, I'm trying to be patient here. You were on the train schedule, so what? 
Are we supposed to ignore it so as not to jar your expectations? Sheesh, now find a seat already. But watch, watch out for Carolyn. Who's Carolyn? She's the only other passenger. And well, she's very rude. I'd watch my step with her if I were you. Good. Our pick of empty seats. Still, there's something very strange about this train. You mean the fact that it appeared out of nowhere and began chasing us through the streets of Manhattan? Well, well, Dad, and the fact that there are no tickets. We're riding for free. You can't sit there. That's my seat. You're sitting in your seat. Over there, where you are. Several seats away from here, where we are. First come, first serve. What about here? There's gum on that seat. Well, these seats here look clean enough. I may have spilled something unpleasant on those seats. They look pretty dry to me. To you, they do. But you weren't here when I spilt the unpleasantness over them. The seats might look dry, but they're really, really sticky now. Also, your ill-fitting trench coat looks ridiculous. Also, what's with the name tag? And Bambi? (laughs) What kind of name is Bambi? Actually, Carolyn, you see, the name tag is... What's wrong with you? You don't have a gun even though you're wearing a trench coat? And now you're letting this teenager bully you? Well, I guess I am. She looks pretty mean. What if I started calling you Lance again? Would that toughen you up? Maybe. What if I started calling you Lance again? Nope. Even that wouldn't help. I'm completely intimidated now. Yeah, me too. I can hear the stream of withering insults even before she utters them. If only my voiceover character were here, she could voiceover narrate this Carolyn right off the train. What's that? It's something very strange. It's Aiden and Lago. They're chasing us! Oh no, but... but... they're carrying a car. They're carrying a car, and they're still gaining on us. Aiden! Lago! Carry me faster! Can't you see I'm pressing on the gas? That's all the time we have now for A Man Called Bambi. Meanwhile, what's been going on back in the bar with the voiceover versions of Bambi and Michael, the bartender slash novelist? Tune in again next time when we'll hear voiceover Michael, the bartender slash novelist say, I'm, I'm running out of exterior circumstances to narrate and, and I'm running out of interior life to reflect upon. (gasps) Will I soon be silenced? Well, Kevin, I think before we thank the cast, which we should be willing and eager to do, we probably need a comment or two on A Man Called Bambi, because I think we don't want people to have nightmares. No, we don't. And particularly the reoccurring nightmare that I've had of having to lay the tracks out in front of the train before it approaches you, which is exactly what our friend Scott Herrick, who plays the conductor in that last segment, has to do. A recurring nightmare of mine, certainly. Yes, which is why the train is going so slowly, which is why it's not good at chasing people. We'll hear more about Kevin's nightmares in our next episode, but now it's time to thank our cast.
podcast. Thank you to Nancy Roth, Steve Lloyd, Faith Lloyd, Maureen Hager, Kevin Decker, Tony Flynn, Scott Herrick, Jody Stewart-Strobel, Davis Hill, Rennie Yarrow, Terry McMullen, and making her Men in Charge debut, Sarah O'Hare. We'd also like to thank the writers, Ann Porter and Tony Flynn, and the four people who proudly wear the usual number of toes under their socks. Carrie Boyce, Vern Windham, Nisha Schramm, Nancy Roth, and the only man who knows how much his house weighs, Brian Lindsay. 